World's Finest Podcast, Episode 59. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm I'm good enough. You know, I mean, life's treating me as well as it can treat me. You know, it's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. So, uh, of course, you were on holiday. Uh, these, uh, what, how, how long were you out of town? Seven days? Ten days? Eight days. Eight days. Uh, so, so uh, how was your trip? It was a lot of fun. Of course, that's the furthest north and the furthest west I've ever been. It was really pretty. I went fishing, of course. You have to go fishing if you're going to Alaska. You just have to do it. And went to the museum, went uh, went down to the southern coast, went out to a glacier. It was, oh, wow. It was like 40 degrees and raining. It was, it was not something I expect in July, you know? Yeah, yeah. I got stuck in the Portland, Oregon airport for seven hours oh. coming back. That was not fun at all. yeah. Were you were actually in the airport itself, or were you stuck in a plane? I was in the airport. Okay, plane. okay. I got, I got there. It's, that was my stopover point, Portland. And yeah, my flight was supposed to be two hours after I got there, but it ended up being delayed five hours. Yeah, I didn't get home till three a.m. my time. And then let me guess, you had to work the next morning. Bingo. <laughs> of course, that's how it works. <laughs> yep, that's that's just how it goes for me. Yeah. What time did you have to work that morning? Don't say like six a.m. Uh, okay, I won't. <laughs> was it really? I was just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. My manager terrible. let me come in a couple hours later, but I didn't want to handcuff them or anything, so. Yeah, yeah. It was misfortune. What can I say? <laughs> uh, so do you want to get into some emails? I think we have a couple. Uh, we do, indeed. Alrighty, first one is from Tim, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I've found something that is more embarrassing than Dick Perks Up. Up from episode 325 of Earth2.net, the show. <laughs> After finding out that episode 58 was delayed, I listened to the new episode of Mike and Nikki Mega podcast. After that, I decided I would try to pass the time by listening to as many episodes of WFP I can until the next one comes out. And I'm about to contradict a previous email I sent, but I don't really care. Uh, Dick Perks Up was not the most embarrassing slip on an Earth 2 podcast. It'll be explained. I was listening to episode 2 of WFP when it Jesus I'd, Christ. Uh, <laughs> I know. The audio quality. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> when I decided to take a break and have dinner, I came back to it, listened to your review of the Underdwellers, and in it, Bruce takes one of the Sewer King's runaways in for the night. Mike had a gripe about Alfred saying, I know nothing about kids, as he was Bruce's caretaker since age eight. After that, he said Alfred did another thing that shows his dedication, loyalty, and love for Master Bruce. At the time, you guys didn't catch it, and Ian never clipped it. Here it goes. Alfred helped Bruce raise Dick. <laughs> um... All I can say is, you know, back then, we hadn't really settled into our stride yet. So I don't think we were picking up on little innuendos like that at the time. <laughs> nope. Where now, someone says dick and we're like little schoolgirls. Hee 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 hee, you know? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, um, hmm, yeah. <laughs> I'll go with that. 
Also, last episode, Mike said that Bucky's voice got better during the end of the series. Well, that's because he had two voice actors. He had a new voice actor. Ulysses uh, Quadrum played Bucky in Season 1 and Blaine Barbosa in Season 2. And the annoying one was the one who played the kid who worked reality in Static Shock. Just had to point that out. Okay, thank you. All righty, next one is from Will, who is also DC20 Will Save on the forums. Oh, yeah. Uh, greetings and salutations. Figure I'd email this rather than just post it in the forum, since not everyone that listens to the podcast also read the forums, which is a crying shame. Seriously, mm. it's not that much work for so much fun. Why can't people see that? Anyway, on the subject, the ending of Sons of the Fathers is, to me, kind of poignant because Dwayne McDuffie has said on a few occasions that Richie was intended to be gay, but it being a Saturday morning cartoon series, you just couldn't have it. I, f- I view the ending as Richie trying to gauge his father's reaction to his lifestyle. It's very common among LGBT youth. Before I stopped caring what they thought, I'd, I'd do a similar thing to find out people's reactions before coming out. Then again, maybe I'm reading too much into an end of an episode gag. Regardless, Richie is one of the reasons I enjoyed Static Shock, and let's all be glad he didn't turn into the kind of sidekick that makes you want to commit murder like another character I don't think we're allowed to name him. <laughs> Other than that, a fracking good job as always, and I'm looking forward to more of Static, Justice League, Teen Titans, and JLU. Then the world? Of course! In my best bison voice. um with with that little tidbit out there because i didn't know that i didn't know richie that there was supposed to be this subtext to him that he was supposed to be homosexual um does that change your perception of the ending of uh sons of the fathers because it does mine i i look at that now and i'm right there with will where i'm thinking oh yeah maybe that was him testing his dad what do you think that i agree it definitely has changed my view yeah i too i didn't know that you know, Richie was supposed to be gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that I think that was, if you, I mean, if you know the backstory like Will does, that makes it, makes perfect sense. Alrighty, thanks for that email, Will. Uh, next one is from Nicholas, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I have loved listening to your recent reviewing of Static Shock. In episode 58, you guys were so funny. I agree that Sons of the Fathers was a great episode, but I actually think, even though that uh, racism was actually said, I think they should have, been even harder on the issue because it's good that kids are learning this but this is still the best cartoon that has ever tackled the issue of racism another thing i want to say is that i absolutely love the dark knight discussions on earth2.net the show episode 325 was so funny i had to listen to it again and again and i can't wait until batman and robin one thing has come to my, uh come to mind about these episodes you guys have discussed the differences between american english and british english a lot and you have done this many times to make fun of ian even though this is uh funny you guys have to remember something America used to be part of Great Britain. That's why most Americans speak English today. <laughs> if it weren't for Ian's kind, you wouldn't. I wouldn't be speaking English. So you guys wouldn't be able to communicate with Ian. So I and other Earth2.net lovers would not get to enjoy listening to you guys and Ian rant about how the 90s Batman movies suck and how Mike is really good at noticing the anatomy of actors and statues in movies. Uh, we, our make, our uh, fun poking at Ian is all in good. It's all in good fun. Right, and I mean, if you actually pay attention to the way I speak, um, you know, I th- throw in little, you know, English, English <laughs> phrases. Like, I say holiday instead of vacation. Um, if you actually look at the way I write dates, I use the European system where you put the uh, the right. day, the month, then the year, not the American way of, you know, month, day, year. You know, so... Every now and then I might, you know, tease Ian for things like uh, aluminium and things like that. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, I actually do kind of like 
their way of speaking and their um, what's the phrase I'm looking for uh, vernacular is that quite is that quite what I'm looking for uh, but you know what I mean uh, a little better than they than I do the uh, the, the Amer- American English if you want the truth. Uh. Anyway, as I am preparing for the rest of your reviewing of Static Shock, I was re-watching some Static Shock episodes, one of which was a Batman crossover with Joker. So then I thought a lot about the Joker. I started to remember all his appearances before in the DCAU, and I thought, who is he, uh, or who was he? And I did some detective work and found some stuff. In the episode Joker's Wild and BTAS, Batman sneaks around in an office in the Joker's Wild Casino. He finds a file with a page saying, Jack Napier, a.k.a. Joker. Stop sighing, Mike. Uh, which, which leads us to believe that Jack Napier was his former identity, which is the same identity Joker had before the live uh, in the live-action Batman movie in 89. Then in Batman Mask of the Phantasm, it says Joker used to be in the Velestra gang. Then in Beware the, Creep, uh, Beware the Creeper in Gotham Knights, Jack Ryder does the TV special on Joker, and it says his former identity is unknown. But how did that file earlier in Joker's Wild that said he was Jack Napier get in the hands of a casino owner? Sure, I guess it's possible that they stole it from the police, but why would the police even bother keeping Joker's old identity a secret? And even if that's not the case, how does the casino guy know that the Joker is Jack Napier, but everyone else doesn't? In Jack Ryder's TV special, he also says that the Joker was part of the Lester gang. So how did Jack Ryder know that? And after the Mask of the Phantasm... Uh, did Batman tell Jim Gordon, and then Gordon told everyone else in the world or something? I just don't get that. you guys have any answers to my questions? You could maybe say Jack Napier was an alias. You could claim that they know that it's sort of common knowledge that whoever the Joker used to be was in the gang. Um, but maybe he just constantly used aliases. He was... A man with no name. So, and because he was just such a brutal killer, nobody questioned him why he was using different aliases all the time. So, maybe he was telling different stories about where he came from. The whole, you know, I prefer my past to be multiple choice type thing. Um, I mean, that's the only way you can kind of get around it. Everybody knows he was in the gang, but nobody knows what his real name is because he just lied all the time. I, that's the only way I can make sense of it. I'm nefarious. So it was you. What are you trying to do? Anything I want, thanks to this gas. Maybe I'll even earn your respect. That's what this is about? Respect? That's what it's always been about with you. And I could never win. Not as long as I was plain old Edwin. You think this is how you gain someone's respect? By wrecking everything they have? I've got power now, Dad. And that's all you've ever respected. Give me those things before you hurt yourself. First up today is Junior. In this one, Edwin Alva has funded a new gymnasium for the community center, and while he's talking to one of his bodyguards, his son walks up to him and tries to talk to him, but uh, Alva Sr. is disgusted by him, and he thinks his son is, is just a total disappointment to his name and all this and that. So, meanwhile, Robert is wondering where Virgil is. You know, he's off doing a static thing, but... Uh, uh, once the ribbon is cut and the gymnasium uh, opens, Shelly Sandoval walks up to Alva Jr. looking for a comment on how proud he must be of his father and such and such. And he makes an offhand remark about how, yeah, it's, this is much better than after the grand jury hearing. <laughs> and literally the entire crowd st- stops, shuts up, and looks at him. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Alva Sr. walks up and downplays the remark and... 
but then he lambasts his son in private, uh, telling him he's just an embarrassment to his name and so on and so forth. And Virgil shows up, but Robert won't hear any of his excuses, and he ends every this argument by saying that Virgil is totally irresponsible. Uh, so later at Alva Industries, Alva Sr. again chews out his son, but Alva Jr. makes a rather startling comment that he's figured out a way to control the mutagen that caused the Big Bang. But Alva Sr. scoffs at this, saying, if I can't figure it out, how can a loser like you figure it out? <laughs> so Jr. runs off, and he goes to the high-tech security high security basement and takes the mutagen and makes a battle suit out of it with like these little uh, bubbles that each contain a sample of the gas, and each time he pops one, he gains a different superpower. Uh, pretty much... Any superpower he wants, it seems like. Yeah, and it seems like he has some sort of control over that, but I don't know. So he vows to destroy everything his father built, and later he attacks a freighter ship owned by Alva Industries, but Static gets involved and saves the crew. But uh, Junior, now calling himself Omnifarious, uh, attacks Static, uh, wondering why he would help you know weapons smugglers that are under Alva's employ. And Static figures out who Omnifarious is, because he saw him at the gymnasium thing earlier. But in return, Junior gives himself X-ray vision with one of these, you know, bubble things, and he uses the X-ray vision to see through Static's mask. And he re- he recognizes he's seen the uh, Virgil before, but he doesn't know yet that, that it is Virgil. So he flies off, and Static's just left to wonder what he's going to do next. And in the next scene, it's uh, the Alvas are having dinner, and... Uh, the bodyguard comes in and gives Alvis Sr. the bad news about all the ships and warehouses that Omnifarious has been destroying of late. So he he tells them to leave. And um, later, Virgil and Robert talk briefly about you know Virgil what you know what the hell has Virgil been doing lately? Why is he late to everything? And the phone rings and Virgil picks it up, but Robert's like, oh, we're going to talk about this later. So Richie's on the phone. He's wondering what to make of uh, Omnifarious's motives and why why he would be destroying something his father owns. So another call comes in, and it's Omnifarious saying that he knew he'd find Static there, and he knows he knows who he is now, and he threatens to expose Static's secret identity if he gets in his way again. So Static and Richie talk it over later, and Static says, "Look, if his dad's going to find out uh, about his secret identity, he's going to tell him himself." But first, he goes to Alva's house and flat out tells him that Omnifarious is his own son. And of course, he doesn't believe Static at first, but he goes down to his lab and he sees Junior filling this suit's power bubble things, and he demands to know why he's doing what he's doing. So Junior says, like, it's all about respect and power, and all Alva Senior has ever respected was power. So, meanwhile, Virgil's about to tell Robert his secret, but... Robert just had a heart-to-heart talk with Sharon, who actually defended Virgil, <laughs> and which was kind of neat. Yeah. But, uh, but sh- he says, "Look, you don't have to say anything. He, I, I trust you, and I'm proud of you. I don't say it. I don't say it enough, but I'm proud of you." So, Robert walks off back into the house, but but Virgil's like still was about to tell Robert who he was, but before he can, you know, he sees some explosions coming from Alva Industries. He. So he has to go into action, and back over there, Omnifarious has sprouted bat wings and laser eyes and all kinds of other shit, and he's easily taking out these security battle suits that his father has sent after him to, you know, rain, you know, rein him in, not to hurt him, but just to stop him. 
So Static shows up, and he takes out the robot battle suits with this massive electromagnetic pulse, but it drains him so badly that he crashes back onto the rooftop that uh, Alva Sr. is on. And Static is like, what were you thinking? You could have you could have gotten your son killed. And Junior flies down and says, all it was, it was all about protecting his image and his legacy. And he proceeds to pop every single bubble on his suit, and it morphs him into all kinds of weird things. But finally, it, he changes back into human, but is petrified to stone. He turns into basically a statue. And this is, you know, it's like, I, I guess, a, a metaphor or something, because earlier, I think Alva said that, you know, he'd be better off with a statue than his his son. And uh, Alva actually looks really sad as the episode ends. I gotta say, the whole son who you know, can't live up to his father's standards and feel slighted and, you know, tries to prove himself. That is so cliche. I hate it. But this episode wasn't that bad in my mind. Um, and the only thing that was really saving it for me, again, was the continued development of the Virgil-Pops relationship. And then they throw the whole sister thing in there, as you brought up. You know, she defends him. I think she even says, if you tell him I told you this, though, I'm going to kill you. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and that shows that, yeah, she's the older sister. Yeah, she she rags on him. Yeah, they don't get along all the time. Um, but, you know, she still loves her brother. She still, you know, believes in him. You know, she doesn't really understand what's gotten up her dad's butt in regards to not trusting him. Um, and for me, yeah, that's that's what's really keeping this episode from being bottom of the barrel. I mean, had that stuff not been in there, I would be ranting about this episode from top to bottom. Um, but that made it strong. That made it real strong to me. What about you? I This is one of those few episodes where I don't have a grade. Ah. I really, I, this is one where I was going to figure out my grade as we talked about yeah, it. I, don't, yeah. I really don't do that very often. But, yeah, because I didn't know really what to make of this episode. I, I like you, I uh, felt that the the whole uh, Virgil-Robert thing was well-developed yet again. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, and I especially love that scene where where Sharon is talking to Robert, and she's like, you know, she says, you know, this was, and this was the point where she says that, you know, when, when they were going through a photo album, weren't they? And she... She said yeah. she she did something, but Virgil took the blame for it. And yeah, because you know their mom was already mad at her, and he didn't want her to get in any more in even more trouble. So, yeah, that I thought that was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you, the, the whole the whole father son it's it's the thing with the, the Albas was ridiculous in in its clicheness. Although I have to say that was a that was a rather interesting way to make sure Static's secret identity wasn't exposed. Hey, the guy turns to stone. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another thing I thought was just a bit too cliched. It was sort of like that that douchebag who bumped his head. Uh, the guy who found out that Barbara was Batgirl. You know, um, uh, it's like really, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I I just I just hate that. You know, this episode did a couple of things that. 
got under my skin. Again, doing the whole, you know, son can't live up to the father's expectations thing. What you just said about, you know, the, the villain learning the secret identity and then something happens to him. And then getting to the point where they're going to pull the trigger and have Virgil tell his dad who he is, what he's been doing. And the dad's just like, whatever you're doing, son, that's quite all right. And pats him on the back and walks away. Now, that works for me in Over the Edge with Gordon and Barbara. Because that's Gordon saying, I know what you're doing, but you cannot acknowledge this in any way, shape, or form in front of me. Because if I know this, we will both go to jail. That's what's happening in that scene. There's a subtext. Here, they just chickened out and didn't pull the trigger. And that's that's just a cliched thing you see in superhero stories all the time. I believe in you, son, and then just walks away. Ugh. Uh, but everything else around that regarding the Virgil-Pops relationship really was just firing on all, uh, all cylinders for me. Uh, I gotta tell you, I don't really have any more notes here. Mm-hmm. If you have anything else you want to rant about, by all means. Yeah, I mean, I just don't have a lot to say about this one. If you want the truth, I like this one. I do. I think if the the Alva Alva feud had been stronger, um, I wouldn't mind the cliche that they went with. You know, it's it's been said before. Uh, you know. It, if you're going to use a cliche, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Start with it. But then do something with it. Make it different. Make it your own. And I don't think they did that in this case. And had they, I would probably give this another, at least another point. Um, but because they didn't do anything with it, I kind of just have to be, I kind of have to, I do kind of have to complain about that. Um, all that said, I thought it was a very sad ending. Um you know, with, with Alva standing there next to the statued uh, son of his, um, you know, kind of making us feel for the bad guy um, isn't something Static Shock has really done thus far, but I think it did it well here. Um, uh, but getting away from that, I like them showing Static's inexperience, because remember, he's still real young and hasn't had these powers that long. And there's that point where he's actually trying to lift the entire ship out of the water. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, that's brilliant. You know, that, he, and then he can't do it. And then he just pulls out that little piece of siding on it and he saves the five or six crewmen. And he's like, yeah, don't tell anybody I tried to lift the ship. You know? <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, of course he'd try that, but he can't do it because his powers have limits. So yeah, that, that was cool. Shoot. Hated ditching the cops like that. Man, this week sucks. Rich? No, not Rich, not yet. But I'm working on it. (laughs) Replay. What's the deal, man? How'd you clone me? I'm not really sure, but it certainly has worked out nicely. Nicely? You shredded my rep with that fake static. Yeah, well, stay tuned, babe. Wait till you see what he does in the sequel. What are you talking about? You pretty much ripped off everything of value in the city as it is. Oh, Static. This next deal isn't about money. This time, it's personal. Ciao. Next up is Replay. In this one, we start out uh, and we're watching this uh, young guy, teenager or something, 
uh, and he, he's at the mall, and he's trying to buy a watch. And uh, the the watch ma- the watch salesman is like, where did I recognize you from? And the kid is all like, oh, you know, I used to be on TV, but then they canceled my show and they fired me. Rah! So he's like, yeah, I used to have the fame, the the girls, the money, and he's like, and the watchmakers or the watch uh, seller is like, oh, okay, good day then. And uh, the, the the boy is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you just said you don't have money, so you can't buy this watch. He's like, oh, I wasn't gonna buy it. You were gonna give it to me. He's like, and the watch salesman's all like, yeah, whatever. And when he turns around, uh, he's surrounded by duplicates. Of this young man, um, of course, this the, the, the an alarm goes off in the mall, and who just happens to be there? But Virgil, Richie, and Dana. Daisy. Daisy. Who's Dana? Oh, Dana's the girlfriend from Batman Beyond, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, Daisy. Sorry. Okay, Daisy. They're all there, and uh, Static uh, or uh, Virgil creates an excuse so he can turn into Static and go fight this this guy. Um, at one point. Uh, he ends up duplicating himself into like just at least a dozen, uh, uh, well, duplicates. The, the fight ends up outside of the mall at an amusement park that's run down. It's being uh, torn down, as a matter of fact, and it ends up in the Hall of Mirrors. And uh, while they're in there, Static uh, figures out, what, well, doesn't figure out, is told what this kid's power is. Uh, I believe he, he calls himself Replay, hence the title of this episode. And, uh, that, as I said, is to create duplicates. Um, as they're fighting, something goes wonky that they never really explain, if you want the truth. No, they don't. S- something happens where Virgil's power goes off, the kid's power goes off, with the mirror being there, it creates a duplicate of static that is under the control of Replay. So then Replay uses it to, it being the duplicate of static, to rob banks, um, malls, just whatever he can. And what he's trying to do is it's not about stealing the money. It's about tarnishing Static's image and getting the world to turn on him just like the world turned on him after his show was uh, canceled and he was fired. Um, the mayor ends up assembling a task force to take down uh, these these bang babies, and that includes Static now, because he's gone rogue. Um, and uh, Static uh, ends up in a confrontation with the police, but he has to flee. It gets to the point where Richie even starts to doubt uh, Virgil's uh, 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 allegiance, I guess. Um, and uh, so, so Static ends up uh, figuring out, he ends up kind of, in a funny way, threatening Richie to help him um, track track down Replay and his dupe. And they do, they, they end up at a brand new TV studio where conveniently Richie is able to remote control uh, the, the cameras and uh, broadcast on live TV, no, 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 no less, the uh, static fighting his duplicate right as uh, Replay uh, admits his plan in a very James Bond villain-type way. Mwahaha. And uh, Static is able to take out, he's able to destroy the dupe of himself. He's able to knock out Replay. Uh, the bad guy's arrested, the day is saved, and Static's uh, reputation is saved. So, there we go. What, what are you thinking about this one, sir? Uh, mediocre at best. At best, yeah, yeah. 
uh, this guy replay, all he is is baby doll with Jamie Madrix's powers. Exactly, exactly. That's all he is. And the only thing is, baby doll actually had a truly nefarious plan: murder. Uh-huh. This, this guy's ultimate plan is to vandalize a TV studio set. Uh-huh. And they get there, they start doing kicking over chairs and stuff. Knocking a couch over, <laughs> knocking a set over, throwing couch cushions into the audience, which is, there's no audience there, it's just an empty studio. Wow, what a bastard. Yeah, yeah. I, that ranks right up there with the Captain Planet's villain's ultimate goal of making a huge fuck-off mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because as, as I said in my synopsis, when he had the static dupe, robbing the banks, it wasn't about getting the money. It was about tarnishing Static's reputation. He didn't even care about the money and all that shit. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. As you said, his ultimate goal was the trash of TV studio. Take that, couch! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm reminded of the hardcore dancing kids. Fuck you, Air! <laughs> yes, yes. We're going to have to link to that picture in, in the Again. feedback thread for anybody... Uh, who hasn't seen that yet, guys? You have to check it out. It's hilarious, okay, hilarious, and for for just all the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, this is this is what I wrote in my notes. I'm just going to read these verbatim. Cliched story, uh, quote unquote, wronged star, evil double, everyone doubts hero, fixed by TV camera. You know that that, that that's that's that that is just oh. It's, it's, it's lazy writing. It's, I mean, oh, yes. again, this goes back to what I said just a few minutes ago. Start with a cliche if you want to, but do something with it. Don't, <laughs> can, don't, don't take the cliche and put your characters in it and not change it and not make it better. And that's exactly what they did. They, they didn't make it any better. Oh, it's just brutal. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. I shouldn't say it's brutal. I mean, the episode's watchable. It definitely is, because I do like that scene where Static shows up at uh, Richie's place, and he's like, look, because what happens is is Replay finds the, the what is it called, the shock box? Yeah. Okay, f- finds the walkie-talkie thing on the duplicate Static. He's like, oh, what, what's this? So he uses it to contact Static, and Static, the real Static, goes to Richie, and he's all like, can you use this, can you modify this so that I can use it to listen to someone else's conversation without them knowing. And Richie's like, yeah, but why should I help you, blah, blah, blah. And Virgil's just all like, look, if I've really gone bad, oh, what's the wording? It's something like, if I've really gone bad, yeah, do you have a choice? And Richie's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny, you know. Um, you know, and there were other little moments, you know, when, when Richie shuts the door in Virgil's face when he thinks he's gone rogue, which of course is before <laughs> Virgil threatens him. Um, I, I do like the, when the cops, when the task force is going after Static and they're shooting the nets and the missiles at him and he has to drop down into the sewer and the way he does that and he magnetizes the, 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 the lid so they can't follow. All that was really neat. It's just the story around it was lame. Did you catch uh, This Week Sucks? Yes, 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 I did, yeah. Yeah, I I know we got it in Zeta, but, you know, that, of course, wasn't watched as much as this show uh, was and is. This is still played on Disney. Mm -hmm. Because... I wonder if they censor it. I, I don't know, because... I've seen this episode before, but only because 
Um, when I was in Disney World uh, last year, uh, at one point before uh, I was heading out to the park that day, I or maybe it was in the evening, I don't remember, I had the TVs on, or the TV on, I should say, and uh, I was watching the Disney Channel or whatever I had put it on, and uh, it was the Disney Channel, and uh, or something, I don't fucking know, and... Uh, what do you call it? I was just like, oh, static, I'll give it a watch, and it was this one. But I, but so I can't, but I can't remember if the, uh, if that line was in there or not. I just remember the thing with the duplicates and the kicking of couches. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of that scene, I know Richie is really bright, but how often does he practice on working TV studio control boards? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I know he is a computer whiz, but that, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And then, as I said, the cameras are remote controlled. If they're remote controlled, why would you even need cameramen? Yeah. You know? Exactly. I think the union would have a problem with the creation of remote controlled television cameras. Yeah. <laughs> the Teamsters would not be happy. <laughs> nope. nope. Oh, God. You know, and... Again, it's just it's just way too convenient that there just happens to be this big TV out in front of the studio, and the cops are just about to barge in. Oh no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Let's let's see what's going on. Oh, Static's fighting himself, and this kid's admitting his plan. Oh, ho, 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 ho. now we know who to bust. What? <laughs> it's happened in a span of roughly ten seconds. Yeah. All of this. Yeah. The the, the police the police's target changed. In a matter of ten seconds. Yeah. And I love how the mayor's all like, we're going to use non-lethal force to catch these bang babies. But then they're shooting missiles at static. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me those missiles are non-lethal. Really? Bullshit. Furthermore, how pissed off would you be if you were a common thug and you're like, now wait a minute. I just robbed a liquor store and that cop tried to shoot me in the chest with a gun. That could kill me. But this guy with superpowers they're going to shoot rubber bullets at? What the fuck is going on in this world? You know? <laughs> I'd be pissed off. I want off. superpowers, goddammit. Exactly. I'd be going over to Alphas being like, dude, gas me. I don't care what you turn me into. Gas me. I'm not getting sniped by these cops. <laughs> Virgil. Please don't make me do it, Pops. I don't want to make a speech. I would never force you to do that, son. And about what I said to Sharon? Forget it. We all lose our cool now and again. In fact, I may owe you an apology. For what? I thought you had come to terms with your mom's death all this time. I was wrong about that, huh? Pops, I... You want to talk about it? Maybe later, okay? I understand. It took me a long time before I could even say her name without feeling pain. Whenever you're ready, son. It would be nice if you did speak at the memorial, Virgil. If for no one else, for your mom. Just think about it. Next up is Tantrum, and this is the season ender for season one. Uh, in this one, Virgil goes to his mother's gravesite, and, you know, he's just talking to her, in quotes, and he, you know, he apologizes for not coming around as much. Uh, as he should, and 
you know, he says he just hasn't felt like coming around much lately, and he starts to relate a story about something that happened a couple of weeks ago. Well, he was on a class field trip at an amusement park, and he's there, you know, he's there with Daisy and Richie, and uh, Daisy's mom, who's a chaperone, walks up to them and just kind of takes Daisy away to some kind of picture-taking booth or something, and Virgil and Richie go elsewhere, and they end up having a food fight. I don't know how it leads into it, I cannot remember, but they have a food fight, and after this randomness happens, uh, one of the transport trains in the amusement park goes out of control, and st- you know, Static has to leap into action to stop it. Well, after he does, a woman walks up to him and kisses him on the cheek and says that his mother must be very proud of him, and Static is naturally depressed by this, and when he gets home, uh, Virgil trips over an old box of uh, some old tapes from his childhood, most of them with his mom in them, because Sharon and Robert are making a compilation video for uh, a memorial service for her. And Virgil, not wanting to think about his mom at that point, makes up some excuse about, to, uh, about homework to get out of helping them. And he goes on patrol to clear his head, uh, and he, but he ends up losing a battle to this big, purple, hulking bang baby, um, and the next day, he he and his class get their essay papers back from their teacher, and this nerdy guy, Thomas, who was at the amusement park earlier, complains about getting a 99 instead of a 100, and he's worried about what he'll tell his father. Um, later, that same purple bang baby from earlier uh, attacks the class's teacher in the parking lot, saying, wrong, wrong, wrong. And, uh, Static shows up and tries to stop him, but again, he just gets beaten. He gets the crap beaten out of him. Um, later, Sharon says that Virgil needs to prepare his speech for the memorial service, but, you know, he ends up throwing a tantrum and runs out to the roof. So, Robert walks out, and they have a really, a really heartfelt talk about everything, and he's, he doesn't, he never realized that Virgil hadn't come to terms with her death yet, and he says he would never force Virgil to speak at the memorial service if he doesn't want to, but he says as he walks away, that it would really mean a lot to the family, and he should do it if for nothing else than for his the memory of his mom. Um, and later, Richie Richie calls uh, Static to let him know that he's found something at the scene of the the attack on their teacher, uh, Thomas's essay. Uh, they go to his house to pay a social call, and we see that Thomas's father is the overbearing type who demands perfection and looks down on 99s. Um, his mom, however, is very nice and welcomes the boys into the house with open arms. And when the boys show him, show Thomas the the paper, he throws a tantrum and, and kicks them out of the house. And he then starts growing fangs, which cements his status as the big purple hulking bang baby. Um, so at Virgil's house, Richie and Virgil are watching a tape of baby Virgil, and he's crying and throwing a, throwing a tantrum. So... Little Sharon asks their mom to punish him since he's being bad, but she doesn't do anything, and she just kind of smiles. And Baby Virgil continues to cry, but eventually he stops, and their mom says he wasn't being bad. He was just cranky, and he needed to work it out of his system. And Richie says, you know, I understand why you, you don't want to watch these tapes, because, you know, she was such a wonderful person, and now she's gone. I can't imagine how you're feeling, stuff like that. And Virgil says, you know, she really knew what made me tick. And... Thomas, at this point, in his you know Mr. Hyde form, shows up at the house tearing shit up. So Virgil lures him away back to the amusement park, and he gets him to wear himself out until he turns back into his human form. He never attacks him one time. 
you know, just basically used, utilized his mother's little tactic on him. Um, so we go back to the present, uh, where Virgil is standing at the, uh, gravesite, and he promises to come around more often, and the last scene is the memorial service where Virgil gives his, you know, his heartfelt speech, and that's pretty much it. You know, I, I see what they were going for here. You know, we, we, we know how Virgil's mom died. That it was a uh, gang fire. We find that out in the very first episode. Um, and we got a hint of her earlier in this batch of five that we're covering. Um, so I, I like the fact that they were trying to give us more of her, uh, actually give her a slight speaking role, um, to show you what an impact she had on Virgil's life, of course, and, you know, what, uh, kind of void that created, uh, in him and in the family. I get that, but it just lacked the power that it, it should have had. And for me, that's because it turned into this, this weak story about this, stereotypical Asian kid who pushes himself too hard in school and 99 out of 100 isn't good enough. And uh, because of this, he has a fit and he turns into uh, the Purple Hulk, you know? And it's it's like, okay, I understand that there had to be some sort of foe for Virgil to face, but uh, the foe was just so lame, so terribly, terribly lame, that for me it kind of distracted from the story that we're really trying to tell about uh, Virgil's mother. Uh, what about you? Uh, I I gotta disagree. I thought this episode was really powerful. Okay. Uh, now, of course, I, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, I did shed a tear at the end of the episode, um, and I think that it was because one of my best friends died uh, three years ago, and it you know it brought back some not so great memories. Okay. And okay. I think I was kind of in the same mentality as Virgil. You know. Um, yeah, I went to, I of course went to his funeral and I lost it there. I was, I was a mess and, you know, I didn't go to his burial site and I haven't to this day. It's just, it's really painful. So I, I think that's why this episode hit me harder than maybe it hit you. Um, and the scene on the roof with Virgil and Robert was awesome. Absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. fucking awesome. Um, this, again, they're, there's, they're continuing to build the, the family relationship and, you know, they got Sharon more involved here, too. And I think this might have been the best scene, like, Hawkins family scene yet. It was it was just really powerful to me. Yeah, I, I will say I liked Virgil's tantrum. I mean, he's... I think they've established he's 15, because they've... In a pre- previous episode, they said he can't drive yet. Um, he's 15. Okay. So, you know, he's 15... So he's going to be prone to, to tantrums every now and then. You know, he's trying to become this young, you know, this mature young man, but he's still going to act like a kid from time to time. And when all these emotions are just raging in him, and his sister's like, no, you're going to make this speech, whether you like it or not. And he's like, no one asked me. And he just runs out of there. At first, I was like, really? But the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I could see someone acting like that, like a 14, 15-year-old reacting that way. Because, again, he's trying to be this mature young man, you know, and make his own decisions. And here he feels like he's being forced into something, and he hasn't gotten over his mother's death, you know. And 
that, that that's all just creating this this turmoil in him that's going to cause him to have an outburst like that. I, yeah, so that part I liked, but just I don't know. It's it like I said, it just wasn't strong enough for me. It just wasn't. I, I really feel that the the B story, the st- the story with the monster, hurt it. Hurt the episode overall. It distracted yeah. them from what they were from what they were trying to do. I don't know. Yeah, I I I absolutely see where you're coming from there. But I, I, you know, they, it really had to be a throwaway kind of villain and story because they couldn't have something overshadow the, the main story, I don't okay. think. So I under, I understand why they did a throwaway type mm. subplot. Um, and getting away from all the serious stuff here, I think we need to have a static gets uh, thrown into a dumpster alert. <laughs> Has it been happening all that often? Because oh, it's it's I'm pretty sure it's happened at least three times already. Okay, let's think. It, it happened with the one where he lost his mask uh, last time, where, where a rubber band man and uh, his sister were dating, right? Right. Okay. It happened here. It happens, doesn't happen in the next episode we're going to talk about, too? I think it happens in Power Play, doesn't it? Uh... Uh, no, no, no. I don't think it happens in Power Play, but... Well, somebody gets... that. The, the old guy in Power Play gets thrown the into The old guy like does, yeah. Virgil does end up in a dumpster in the big leagues. Because yeah. that's, that's how he... I think that's how he misses what happens to the to the mule-faced guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. I knew there was one time it happened. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I officially have created the static thrown into a dumpster alert. <laughs> Oh, there you go. We'll keep an eye out for that for for, for now on. <laughs> um, I do have a question, and if anybody can answer this, you know, do do do, please, James, you let me know. Anybody out there in listener land, let me know. They're having a memorial service for his mom, who's been dead since before this series started. I didn't understand that. I didn't well, understand having a memorial service. I got to assume she's been dead for at least a year, if not more, and they're doing this now. I, I just, I don't know. That wasn't working for me. Um, speaking from personal experience, I, like I said a, f- a few minutes ago, I had a friend who died three years ago. Uh-huh. Their, you know, their family, his family, um, has had a couple of memorial services for him. So okay, they, it does happen. Okay. I'm just throw, throwing it out there. Well, okay, no, no, that's fine. You know, if, like I said, if, if anybody could justify it, then, you know, it wasn't something where I was going to take a point off from the episode. It's just something that confused me. Um, because, you know, I'm, I, I've been lucky and that death really hasn't touched my life all that much. Um, about shit, probably nine, ten years ago, uh, a close friend of mine did pass away, um, you know, and that that did tear tear, uh, tear me up inside. Um, but that that's really the only death that's ever really come close to home for me. And th- you know, they had the wake, they had the funeral, but I don't remember there, there ever being any memorial service after that, like on an anniversary or anything like that. Um, so that's why this one is just sort of throwing me for a loop because I'm just not familiar with, with the process, with how it works because I'm, like I guess I'm kind of lucky like that, you know? Uh-huh. So, yeah. But yes, it, they, they do happen, so. Okay. Okay. Um, I think the, another, this was just weird. This is kind of an animation flub. The, Virgil gets plastered with this pie right in his face, the side of his head, and in the next camera angle, there's none of it on him. Oh, really? I didn't catch that.
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have any any other real notes. I've, I've said my piece. I, 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 I really do like this episode a lot. Yeah, overall. no. And uh, getting back to something you said uh, a minute or two ago, you know, I understand them using a throwaway villain. It's better than them tossing Ebon in there and, and wasting him. Um, but I just didn't like the story around the throwaway villain. You know, okay, we've got Virgil who has every right to be having this tantrum because he just can't deal with these feelings. And then we have a kid who's having a tantrum to the point that he's turning into the Incredible Hulk because he got a 99 out of 100 on his paper. And it's like, uh, you know... you're comparing apples and oranges here by saying, by you know, Virgil's just running out of his house, having uh, rightfully having a fit, and this other kid's turning into a monster because he got one point off on his essay. Oh no! And it's like, really, that's what you want to complain about, guy? Really? Uh, it, it, so it just seems so weak to me. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I'm going to attempt to justify it by saying that a he doesn't know that he's turning into this thing. That is true, Mister Hyde. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. Um, B, he has a very overbearing father and is probably under a shitload of stress. True. So, um, and C, of course, he doesn't know about Virgil's Virgil's crisis. So, well, yeah. no, no, no. What I mean is, right? No, he doesn't know about it. But I'm saying the the producers of this episode, you know, they obviously knew what they were doing. So th- by them. I don't. I just wish that the student had a better reason to be turning into the monster than getting one point off on his paper. Mm-hmm. Just give him a legit reason to be having these fits, so Virgil can maybe sympathize with him at the end of the episode. Because you never sympathize with this villain; you just never do. Yeah. You know, not yeah. every villain you're supposed to, but this one, it just. There's just no way you can at all. No. Um, and so I just wish the producers had given him a stronger story. That's all I'm getting at. Especially when you compare it to Virgil's. But I also have to go back to what you said a while back, where you don't want that to overshadow Virgil's story either. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This may be one. This is probably, this is most definitely going to be one I'll probably be rescoring down the line, I think. Where am I? What is this place? You guys! Stay cool, man. Gengor! Hot shot! Hot streak, jerk! Now, now, we can't blame Ferret for being a bit disoriented. (gasps) The Joker! (laughs) So formal? Call me Uncle Jay. Everyone does. What are you doing here? Such a sad story. You see, things got a bit uncomfortable for me back home. Thanks to a cranky bat, my cadre of cronies were cast in the clink. Suddenly I was set adrift. Not a friend in the world. Then I realized Dakota's just lousy with fun young people like you. So I decided to pop in and scare up some new recruits. Next up is The Big Leagues. This is the first episode of the second season of Static Shock. In this one, we start out at some sort of farmer's market. And uh, while we're there, um, some bang baby that sort of has mule-like features. Um, that's what he's supposed to be, like a mule, right? They call, his name is Ferret. Oh, um, really? He looked like a... But- 
I think he's supposed yeah, to be an eagle. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was supposed to be some kind of horse thing. Yeah, so, okay. The, the, I guess the equine family. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with him being a horse or a mule and not a ferret. But, okay. Anyways, he's, he's just causing havoc. He's not doing any real harm. He's just... You know, stealing fruit and shit, you know. Uh, Static gets involved. Uh, he ends up getting some of this fruit and shit thrown at him. Uh, he chases him into the city, uh, at which point I believe Static does fall into a dumpster. Um, and the ferret or whatever his name is, um, is, is standing there on the corner and the, 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 the sewer grate moves aside and someone inside uh, tells him, you know, kind of tells him to come over, and this this like hook comes out and yanks him in, and we hear a very menacing, very familiar cackle as this happens. Uh, balloons come out of the sewer, and they all have big grins on them. Uh, Virgil sees these balloons, and he's like, "What the hell is going on?" Because uh, he he's not quite sure where uh, his adversary went, um, and he's not sure where these balloons came from. Um. What happens next? Um, oh, we then go down into the sewers or wherever this lair is, and uh, we see some members of Ebon's gang there. We see Shiv. We see, what's her name, Talon? Yes. Uh, we see a new guy by the name of, was it Rue or Kangaroo or? I don't know what the other... I don't know. Something. He, he was a kangaroo, you know, he had kangaroo-like powers, basically. And he's from Australia. Yeah, so. okay. There was him, and I want to say there might have been one other person. Oh, uh, uh Yeah, that guy. Yeah, F-stop! Um, <laughs> yeah, they're there, and their new gang leader is the Joker. Ha, ha, ha. And, uh, what do you call it? He's, uh, trying to recruit this, uh, mule-faced ferret-named guy, into the gang, and Ferret's all like, uh, thanks, but no thanks, because I'm scared of you. And uh, Joker's like, okay, and he gasses him, leaving a clue for Static, and leaving a clue for Batman and Robin, who show up, of course. Um, this leads to a team-up between, a reluctant team-up, that is, between Batman, Robin, and Static. Um, meanwhile, the Joker and his new gang, they end up stealing a couple of fire trucks so that they can, I, I don't even know why they stole the fire trucks, but they somehow use them to, to, to <laughs> rob a bank. Um, uh, Batman, Robin, and Static, you know, they're too late, of course. Um, at, at some point, uh, Static is lured into a trap by Talon, but before he goes in there, he signals Batman uh, Batman and Robin show up, uh, and Batman says, look, we're going to go in there, and you stay out here. So Static's upset. He's like, great, I get my big team-up chance with Batman and Robin, and I get to guard the door. <laughs> but it's a good thing he did, because uh, Batman and Robin, they are jumped, they are subdued, they are chained up, and they are strapped to the, to, to the ladder of one of these fire trucks. It peels out of there. Uh, Virgil isn't able to give chase because he's, uh, some rubble is knocked down on top of his head. Um, 
with Richie's help, he's able to find the Batwing, uh, ends up in it, ends up stealing it, uh, and ends up using it to, 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 uh, locate Batman and Robin. He frees them, and they are able to kick the shit out of Shiv, Talon, the whole gang, and the Joker. Um, as the episode ends, Static, uh, Batman actually compliments Static, uh, for his good work there, and, uh, he then, uh, Static, that he being the static, set the static. He says, um, <laughs> he's like, uh, do you think we could ever team up again? And Batman says something like, it's not out of the question. And uh, that's pretty much it. So what were your thoughts about this one? Well, the fire truck thing was to make these big Joker face tanks. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, this was enjoyable enough, I think. I think it makes... I actually think it makes perfect sense for Joker to come to, to Dakota if he's wanting to get away from Gotham. <laughs> but does he really think Batman won't follow him? I mean... No, I, no, I, I agree. I, he, he knows Batman's going to follow him. I mean, I, Batman followed not... him to Metropolis, for God's sakes, you know? <laughs> yeah. But the reason I say I think it makes sense for him to come to Dakota is because, you know, his reputation precedes him. Mm-hmm. And the Bang Babies are almost all young teenagers or high schoolers, so he can easily manipulate these people. Right. And so, I mean, I guess if he's eager to go away from Gotham, Dakota would be a logical place to go where he can recruit a gang of super-powered beings that'll do whatever he wants them to. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I I think... I, I, I It seems to me like I've read online that a lot of people... Uh, we're like, what the fuck is the Joker doing in this place? But I can understand why it happened. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. And, I, and I'm right there with you. But it's like, ultimately, what was the Joker's plan? Just to set up shop in a new town? Or was there more to it that I'm not remembering in this moment? They're probably... They're, well, they didn't specifically say an ultimate goal here. Uh-huh. But I think just to set up shop and okay. would be... I guess his, you have to start somewhere, and that was, I guess that was the overriding plot here. And I mean, that, that's fine, you know, if that's all it was. I just, I just wanted to know if I had missed something, really. Um, something I was liking about this, though, is this is clearly an older Tim Drake. Yep. Um, he's a lot bigger than the last time we saw Tim, which would have been probably in an episode of Superman, the animated series. So we know some time has passed. It's a different voice that also sounds a little older. Um, at one point, he's called the Boy Wonder, and he says he makes some crack about not quite liking that that uh, title yeah. anymore because he's probably just shy of a teenager at this point. Um, and at first, that bothered me, but I'm like, no, I like that because again, now that they're bringing Static into the DC animated universe, because this is the first sign that it is part of the DCAU, um, right. they're just showing that that a certain amount of time, and we don't know how long that is, probably just a few years at this point, has passed since we last saw Robin. So I think it was a good choice on their part, instead of going with the more adolescent Robin that we were used to in uh, Gotham Knights. To me, it seemed like uh, Robin was no more than two years younger than Static. At right. Most. Yeah. I thought he was 13, maybe maybe even 14. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. That was that was nice. Yeah. And what I liked about that is even though he is clearly younger than Virgil, Virgil is still in awe of him because Robin has so much more experience. You know, so that's really cool that they allowed the older character to be in awe of a younger superhero. Yep. 
And then, hey, we got uh, th- we've got the new Justice League Joker design here, which is awesome. Yeah, I thought this awesome was, design. Yeah, it really is a solid, slick design for this character because we've had what three designs for this character in the DCAU: uh, the original in BTAS, the Gotham Knights, and this one. And and if you want to, you could even say the the Return of the Joker one was a new another design too because his head was. I mean, his hair was different. Uh, oh, yeah. His bulk, and he was bulkier. So yeah. So say that was a different design. Right, yes. Okay, we'll go with four. And uh, I want to see a little more of this one, but I definitely, definitely love this design for this character. Yeah. Well, we'll see more of it in Justice League, mm-hmm. since that's what design it was. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I got to say, I loved the way Static took out the Joker. Yeah, wasn't that awesome? That was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, just just tell people for anybody who hasn't oh. seen it. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so Static t- single-handedly takes out the Joker's fire truck tank, since of course it's made of metal and, and all. And uh, Joker feigns being like, "Uh, help me!" And he lays out his hand with the joy buzzer in it. So Static grabs his arm instead of Batman, and he's like, "Ha ha, gotcha!" Oh, and, and Static's like, "Oh, that was nice. Let me. Ch- here's one of my own." He electrocutes the Joker. <laughs> Yeah, and Batman just standing there in the background with this little smile on his face, like, ha! Ah! Not, not bad. Yeah, taste of your own medicine, <laughs> sucker. You know. It has been said before, and we'll say it again. I know we will. The sh- the villains don't unmask the prone heroes. But of course, you know, I, I don't know. I maybe someone has said this at the forums. Maybe someone wrote in and said this. Maybe you said it to me. Maybe someone else said it to me. Maybe I said it. I don't know where I got what I'm about to say from, but I got it from somewhere. Okay, it's the Joker just sees Batman as Batman, so that it makes sense for him not to unmask Batman. Someone like Two Face, the Penguin, Poison Ivy. It doesn't make sense for them, but the Joker, I can sort of go with it at this point. For as good as this episode was, uh, as cool as it was to see Batman again and older Robin, the new design for the Joker, that was all neat. If there's one major gripe I have with this episode, was that they did not do justice to the BTAS theme. I thought what they did to the Batman the Animated Series music, you know, the Batman music, was just brutal. I actually didn't hear it. What, was it when he first they first enter the scene? There's a couple of points where it's playing in the background, and they've put their own kind of spin on it, and it is bland. It's generic as all get out. It almost sounds like a bad karaoke version of it. Ooh, man, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that, because I didn't notice it at all. Yeah, I could swear it's played a couple of times throughout, and uh, it just made me cringe. And, and furthermore... Uh, the music they were playing at the beginning of the episode when Virgil was chasing the mule guy through the alleys, that, that rap or whatever they were trying to do. What the hell was that? Did, did you not, did you not catch that either? I, I, I didn't catch that either. Go back and listen to that. That's even, that's, that's worse than what they did to the Batman theme. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I do have a question. Did Richie always have an earring? I was wondering that myself because I know he has one in... God, what episode was it that we've covered today? Um, shit. I know he's had it in at least one of the episodes we've covered today. Oh, okay. So I'm going to lean towards yes. 
so I guess. <laughs> I thought it might have been a new thing that they just added for this season. But, okay, yeah, if there's anybody out there, I'm too lazy to go back and look. But if there's anybody out there that can say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had one uh, in all the episodes so far, or no, he didn't, but he started wearing one in this one particular episode prior to the one we're talking about now, the big leagues, then, yeah, just write in and, and let us know. Because I saw that, and I was like, hmm, that, that's a little different. And when Virgil was in the Batwing, and they were figuring out that it was uh, could be controlled via voice, at one point did he use a Jamaican accent? He changed his voice when he was talking to the computer. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't tell if he was going for a British would... thing, but if he'd only be going for a British thing, if he was making fun out of like Alfred, but he wouldn't know of Alfred. But it sounded Jamaican. It almost sounded like a whole different voice actor. Yeah, I think he was just trying to be cute. Okay. But, I mean, that's that's I know exactly what you're talking about, but I think he was just trying to be funny with it for some reason, but it, it didn't really make any sense. What did you think about Batman? Because there was a slight redesign on him too. Yeah, his design was a little off. I think his his head seemed small for some reason. I think there were points where I, it seemed small, and there were points where it seemed too big too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, his design was definitely off. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks like it would be a simple design, but maybe it's not. Maybe those guys who aren't used to uh, doing it, of course, the animators of Static aren't going to be used to doing Batman, um, just have trouble with it, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because it it just looked funky. At, At one point, when he first showed up, we get this profile shot of him walking, and it looked very Frank Miller ish, where it just kind of hulking and hunched over and then he like shrunk down i could swear he shrunk down in the frame too and that just then he kind of became the batman we saw and it all seemed i could tell it was a different model but it still seemed off model all the Mm -hmm. same if that makes sense i don't know how you can be off model from a new model but hey that's what i'm going with and i'm I'm sticking with that um I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the day, it was just really cool to see Batman, Robin, and the Joker in my book, even if I felt Batman was a little off-model because, like I said, we get to see an older Tim and we get this whole new Joker with this really badass design, so that was cool. You want to tell me what's going on? Simple. I'm a superhero. Yeah, Richie, I got that much. Excuse me. When I'm in costume, I prefer that you address me by my superhero handle. From now on, just call me Push. Okay, Push. How'd you get your powers back? And where'd they come from in the first place? Sorry, bud. That's classified. What? And this isn't like you. The heavy two, the big secrets. What's up? Nothing's up. Except me. I feel great. Better than I ever felt. That doesn't answer my... Hey, does this have something to do with that old guy you met? It does, doesn't it? Mind your own business, V. You are my business partner. Oh. I see. When you're the only one with powers, everything's fine. When I get them too, suddenly it's a crisis. That's not what I said, Rich. Frankly, I just think this thing is getting out of your control. I can handle it. And I don't have to explain myself to you or anybody. Now back off! And lastly up today is Power Play. In this one, uh, Richie is at the, the gas station hideout place, and he's kind of just goofing around playing superhero dress-up and... Static shows up and ribs on him for his antics, but uh, Richie gets kind of pissed off, and he says, you know, sometimes I think the wrong guy got the powers, and he just takes off on his uh, motor scooter or whatever he has there. And as he's going, 
Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. But it only escalates from there. <laughs> so as he's going home, uh, he, he runs, pretty much runs over this old guy while he's on his scooter. You know, he helps the guy out. But when he does, the guy electrocutes his arm. And uh, Richie sees a couple of hoodlum-looking guys on top of a jungle gym laughing at this whole thing. And, you know, he tries to follow the old guy to find out what he just did to him. Because, he, of course, he notices that his arm got zapped. But when he turns around, that guy's gone, and he turns around again to see where these these two jerks went, and they're gone. So he just kind of hauls ass out of there. And the next day, uh, he and Virgil are eating lunch at that sidewalk cafe they're always at. Virgil goes in to get some drinks, and uh, we see this truck, I think I think it was a, a tractor trailer, like going out of control, speeding towards a poor puppy that's wandered <laughs> into the street. Because that's not cliched at all. <laughs> so <laughs> Richie runs over to the into the street to uh, save this poor little uh, soon-to-be-flattened dog, and he I don't know I don't think he trips or anything. He just kind of stops, but he screams, and we don't see what happens because we pan over to Virgil coming out of the restaurant, and we pan back to the the truck and. Richie is surrounded by this purple force field, and Virgil has, uh, you know, a big WTF moment, <laughs> and they, and he's like, he's like, well, Richie has superpowers. Hmm. So they go to the junkyard where they always kind of practice. Static always practices his powers and shit, and they just want to see what Richie can do. And it turns out that Richie pretty much has vindicator-like powers. You know, he has force fields and levitation powers and the power of flight and possibly the power to kill a yak from 200 yards away. Only Tenacious D fans will get that, but seriously, they really could have called him Wonder Boy at this point because he has all the powers of Wonder Boy. <laughs> and uh, anyway, anyway, uh, Richie, you know, however, he kind of gets caught up in the thrill of flight and he loses his powers out of nowhere and plummets to the to Earth and... Uh, you know, Virgil saves him, of course, but uh, the next day, Richie's at home. He's kind of playing with his food, all depressed because he doesn't have his powers anymore. And he leaves, uh, he says he's going to hang out with Virgil. To, he tells his mom he's going to hang out with Virgil, but he's really leaving to find the old man. And it's really at this point that you can tell what this episode is. It's a social commentary on drug abuse. Because Richie goes and finds the old guy and his associates, and... He, he, you know, wants to get more power. So he finds the guy, and the guy claims that his power is the ability to give superpowers to others. And he swears Richie to secrecy on this, uh, about how he gains his powers, and he gives him another dose of, of power. So Static is off trying to find Richie, and he uses he actually uses a telephone line to call uh, Richie's mom. But she, of course, thought that he was hanging out with Virgil, so he has to cover for Richie. <laughs> And Static sees a crane off in the distance about to buckle under and plummet to the street with all this load of I-beams on it. And he does what he can, and, you know, Richie shows up and rescues the crane operators, but the crane it st- ends up toppling to the ground. And the crowd loves him, and he's, pl- he's, like, he's living this shit up big time. And Static isn't exactly pleased at this turn of, de- of developments here. And they go to a rooftop to talk, and Static says that this, this shit is going to Richie's head, and, you know... This, it must have something to do with that old guy that you know he ran into the other day. And Richie 
he gets really pissed off. He blasts Static with his newfound powers, and uh, he flies off. And he goes to get more power from the guy, but the old guy only gives him a little sample of it. And he says that for him to get more, he has to do something for him. He has to help his goons rob a museum. But, you know... When when he get there, he bails, and he actually tries to stop these two by himself, but they have, like, teleportation powers and super speed, and they're way too much for him to handle. Static shows up, and he, you know, Richie's powers, of course, end up drying up, and Static shows up, and he stops them with not very much difficulty, and they go back to the old building to stop this old guy, but... When he feigns weakness, uh, he grabs Static and starts absorbing his power. So Richie ends up having to stop the guy, but really all he does is runs he runs around and inadvertently gets the guy to fall off the side of a building into a dumpster, <laughs> no less. And Static and Richie make up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, what were you thinking about this one? <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. I... I, I it's, I, I obviously, like I said in the summary, I see what they were going for. It was a social commentary on drug abuse, right, but yeah. it lacked all the power that uh, Sons of the Fathers had. Here, here's the thing. Speaking of the social commentary, this show obviously doesn't shy away from doing that. You know, again, in the very first episode, you know, uh, Virgil was it Virgil that was handed a gun? There was there was something with a gun. I remember yeah, in the first yeah. episode. Um, yeah. Then there was, you know, Sons of the Fathers, you know, with the racism, you know, whether we agree or not on the amount of power that was in uh, Tantrum, they were still dealing with a family that's devastated by, you know, the loss of, of a family member, the, the mother. Gang from violence. gang violence, exactly. So they don't shy away from it. And here, they sugarcoat drug abuse and drug pushers by wrapping it by wrapping it around or by wrapping a, a a superhero story around it you know and this whole thing about superpowers and it's like no just just do a drug story just have richie be taking some nameless pills that give him powers you know what i'm saying they yeah. could still do the whole power thing it's just a it, it's the purple gas it's elvis gas but in pill form and it, and it can be controlled just like it was in uh, the, the one with the sun. Um, uh, junior. Junior, yeah. You know, there's, there, they could have done it a lot better. And not. It, it's almost like they were afraid. Like in the first season, they were willing to take chances. And now they're in the second season, and the network's like, you can't take chances anymore. And they're like, but we want to do social commentary. Yeah, well, then sugarcoat it, you know? I hope that's not the case. I yeah. hope not. I, I could swear I've heard there's another episode coming up that does deal with gun violence or something. I don't know. Um, I think so. But I, I like the fact that this show was getting messages across. And yeah, okay, they're still doing it, but don't, 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 don't water it down, man. You know, give us, give it to us. Play, play straight. You know, it's a very linear episode too. There's, there's not a whole lot of depth to it. Right. Yeah. Which, Pretty sad when they're trying to do a social commentary on drug abuse. Right, exactly. And I'm trying to figure out, and this is going away from the social commentary thing, but I'm trying to figure out why they animated Ragtag, the old man, in such a different way than everybody else. To me, it reminded me of the animation in, I think it's the first Creep Show. 
I don't know. There was something about. Did you did you pick up on that? He, he was so different than everybody around him. You seemed more detailed than everybody around him. Yeah, it was more detailed. He didn't seem to fit in that world. It it was just so different. It's I, anybody. I haven't seen Creepshow in probably about a year and a half. And, but that was the vibe I was getting off of it. If anybody is more familiar with Creepshow, has seen it uh, more recently, let me know if I'm thinking of the right thing here, because he reminded me of something from Creepshow. I just don't remember what. I, I, I like the design of him. It just, I don't know, it just didn't fit the world. I, know. I don't want to shortchange this episode, but like I said, there's not a whole lot of things you can say about this episode. No, you really can't. I mean, I mean, we can talk about, you know, Richie and Virgil feuding again, you know, when nothing would ever break them apart. Um, but I she was such a douchebag in this episode. Right, yeah. I don't feel like they did that relationship justice. You know, um, because you're right, they they made Richie out to be just a bit of a jerk. You know, and I mean, hey, you know, power corrupts. Okay, I understand that. But why is he acting this way to Virgil when Virgil's been nothing but nice to him? He's acting this way because Virgil made a joke in the first five minutes of the episode? Really? You guys are... the fact that Richie jokes on him all the time <laughs> exactly if you're gonna dish it you better be able to take it you know so that motivation just didn't seem honest to me um and that kind of bothered me um i don't know i don't i mean I, there's parts of this episode i like you know i liked the training i like the scene where richie blasts virgil and the look on virgil's face like dude because he doesn't want to shoot back at his friend and he he could easily take richie out in a heartbeat okay. But he doesn't want to hurt his buddy. And it just, it didn't come together the right way for me, and it all was just sort of flat at the same time. Yep, pretty much what I'm thinking. Yeah. Anything else, or do you want to score these? Yeah, let's, I guess we'll just have to score, because I, I, truthfully, I can't think of anything else to say about it. You know what? I looked at my note. There's, there's, or my notes. There's one more thing I wanted to say. Uh, Richie, of course, when he, he gets his powers, he goes by the ever so clever name of Push. And, because uh, what were the other guys? Jump and run? I have no fucking clue. Jump and, I don't think it was run. Speed? I don't remember what it was, but yeah, they, they were not clever with their code names. But, uh, when he figures out how to use his powers and he's saving people with them, the scoops he was making, they were very much like Green Lantern constructs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a conscious thing or not, because I think it was earlier in this episode, Virgil said that he still sometimes pretends that he's Green Lantern. Yep. So they mentioned Green Lantern, and then we see a Green Lantern-like po- use of power. So I'm wondering if whoever wrote this was a Green Lantern fan and got those couple of things in there. I don't know. Most, most likely. Could be. Uh, so anyways, Junior, what are you going to give this one? I'm going to give it a four. A four. Wow. Okay. Um, I wrote down a seven, and I don't know why. Uh, I'm I don't gonna... either, because I think you were... <laughs> Were you complaining about it more than I was? I or was, what? I was. Or am I to quote Roger Clemens, misremembering it? <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a six, but uh, again, this might be one that gets rescored somewhere down the line because I don't know why this one. I mean, yeah, again, it was the 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 the, the Hawkins relationship stuff that's great, but everything else around it was kind of lame. So I don't know, but it's getting a six for now. Uh, replay. I'm debating on a two or a three. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, fuck it, I'm giving it a two. Uh, I, I, I could not watch this episode again. 
<laughs> I'm giving this one a five. <laughs> I think I'm high. <laughs> I, I think you're high and your grades are high. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. Uh, okay, Tantrum, what are you going to give this one? <laughs> uh, I'll give that one an eight. I, I originally <laughs> had it a... <laughs> Hey, remember this one hit close to home for me. So no, that's, no, 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 no. That's probably why I, I'm probably biased on this one, admittedly. So I, I, I'm laughing at just the disparity so far. Again, I oh, wrote. Oh yeah, this is great. I wrote a seven. I gave it a six, but I wrote a seven. You gave a four. You gave a five. Or you gave a two. I gave a five on the last one. You gave an eight. I'm giving a four. We are like all over the place here. This is awesome. This is, this is the greatest disparity ever. It is. 59 episodes. <laughs> the big leagues. Uh, I'm going to give that one a 7. Okay. I, I'm giving that a 6. So, okay. We're, we're balancing out here. And uh, power play. I'm going to give it a 5 because I think it was just average. <laughs> my heart's giving out. We agree on a score. Oh, my God. <laughs> Perish the thought. This will help him recover from the Joker's uh, gas. The Joker? Um, here in Dakota? Why did he hog tie Ferret? And what's with that note missing you? He's bored. He needs an opponent who can measure up. Hey, I can measure up. Don't take it personally. Batman and Joker go way back. Can I help? Probably not. Is he always this grimly? Hey, you didn't say no. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes of Static Shock, those being brother-sister act, Static Shack, oh, I can't wait for that one, Ugh. <laughs> Frozen Out, Sunspots, and Pop's Girlfriend. Woo-hoo-hoo, nice. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Honestly, didn't look at the episode titles before I uh, put them in to my little cheat sheet there, so I had no idea Pops was getting a girlfriend. Nice. Uh, I, I foresee Virgil being angry. Uh, I hope it's Rubber Band Man. What the fuck? <laughs> 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 <laughs>